Welcome to the Crux Podcast and Sermon of the Week. For more information about the Crux Ministries and Summit Church, please visit us at summitsanmarcos.com. Anyway, hey guys, who was here last week? Yes, do you remember what we talked about? Well, yeah, that was a series. Series was discovering your destiny. Everyone has got this big old question: What is my destiny? They have this big worry: What is my calling? What is my? Has anyone ever wondered that? Like, what is my God-given calling or destiny or future? Right? Anyone? Has anyone ever thought that before? Okay, cool. Okay, good. A couple people. All right. Three people are normal here. All right, awesome. All right, so, but we all think, what is my calling? What is my destiny? What is my future, right? And so we said, what do you have to do to stay on the path towards your calling, towards your future, towards what God has called you? Remember, do you remember the two things we summed it up? We said you need water and you need a map for this hike. Remember we talked about my horrible hike, right? Do you remember what was the water? We said you need, you need the power of God, the Holy Spirit, right, flowing through your life, right? Or, or and you need the word of God. We talked about how Jesus says that you get deluded because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God, right? And so with the two of those. And then afterwards, we basically just did like a devo time. How many people got blessed from that? And then we just prayed, we just prayed and prophesied over each other, right? Which was awesome. How many people got blessed from that? Just praying over each other. We had, we had people stand backwards and pray for the person behind them. They didn't know who it was. And uh, it was pretty epic, pretty awesome. So anyway, tonight we're doing the part two of the Discovering Your Destiny series, and it was basically, what else do you need in life to go after the calling? This is the the question I'm going after, and I'm not going after, like, how do I discover if I'm meant to be, like, an engineer or not? Like, not that specific. I'm just saying, like, if you follow these things, you will discover what God has for you, okay? The first one was stay in the Word and stay close to the Holy Spirit and the power of God. The next thing we're talking about tonight has to do with being a son and being a daughter. Being a son and being a daughter. Because that, honestly, more important than your calling, more important than your spouse, more important than your future kids, more important than anything else is your identity as a son and as a daughter of God. And you will be not a very good spouse if you don't think God really likes you as a son. You won't be a very good father or mother if you think your father in heaven doesn't really like you. So everything else is dependent upon this. Getting to your destiny in life has to do with being a son and being a daughter. So, but real quick, I can tell you a story. You guys okay with story time with Taylor real quick? All right. So, uh, as I have, many of you know this, I was a missionary in Cambodia for some time. Uh, This was years ago, but I was living in Cambodia Cambodia as a full-time missionary. And we were there, and man, in Cambodia, the food we ate every day, it was like, Beans and rice and Jesus Christ. Like, that's what we got, you know? And so that was cool. I loved it. But on day, like, 93 of beans and rice, you're like, Lord, please help us, right? And so we're like, we just need something else. And then all of a sudden, this building gets started being uh, built inside of the main, uh, like, town kind of area. And and it said in English, which was awesome, it said pizza parlor. And we're like, oh, Jesus is coming back. (laughs) Yes, right? And then it said free Wi-Fi. We get to call home. You know, and then it said free air conditioning. And we're like, oh, yes, right? Right? And we're like, this is amazing. And it was opening in like a month. So we're like, we only have to make it like one more month, right? And then, so we're going, we're counting down, we're walking by it. Grand opening day. We are there, ready for our pizza, our Wi-Fi, our AC. It's going to be so great, right? We walk in immediately. It's super hot in there. 
and we're like, oh, there's no AC, right? Man, oh, it's okay. It's the first day. Maybe it broke. They haven't got to work in. That's so fine. We're here for the pizza, really. And we sit down, and then one kid is like, I'm going to call my parents. I haven't talked to them in like a month, you know, like, oh, getting Wi-Fi is hard. So they said, what's the Wi-Fi password? And the Cambodian waiter guy was like, oh, oh, no, we don't have Wi-Fi. There's no Wi-Fi. And we're like, oh, the, the sign said Wi-Fi. And he's like, yeah, no, no Wi-Fi. We're like, okay, that's okay. Like, we're trying to be polite, too, you know. And so, so then we say, okay, well, we're just, give us the menus. We're going to order pizzas, okay? And then uh, they give us the menu, and we start looking. Oh, meat lovers, pizza. You're going to get enough protein for a month in that thing. I'm so excited, right? Supreme, Hawaiian, like we're looking all of it. Oh, they even got lasagna, like all this stuff. We're like, oh, this is glory, like, and right. So we all get ready to order. We ask them over and we say, hey, how big are like the small the pizzas, you know, and the big? We're trying to figure out if we can split or what we should do. How big are the smalls? And the guy goes like this. He goes, mm, enough for one person. And we're like, oh, okay, that makes sense, a small. Well, how big is a large? And he goes, about enough for one person. We're like, okay. Give us the large, <laughs> like just to be safe, right? And then we're like, all right, I will get the meat lovers pizza. And he's like, mm, no, we don't have any meat lovers. And we're like, oh, okay, you, you order. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look again. I'm going to try to be polite. And uh, he's like, I'm going to get the Hawaiian. He's like, sir, we do not have Hawaiian pizza. Like, oh, the third guy, I'm going to get Supreme pizza. He's like, we do not have the supreme pizza. And then the third guy said, well, do you have anything on this page? And he looks at the page. No, we don't have anything on that page. And he's like, we're like oh. and we turn the page and we look. And okay, maybe we'll get lasagna, or breadstick, something like that. Do you have anything on this page? He's reading it. No. No, we have nothing on that page. And then one of the guys said, <laughs> so he's like, so just to be clear, nothing on this page, nothing on this page, nothing on this page, right, gets the, okay, and then he says, what, what do you have? We have ice cream. Okay, we came here for pizza, but ice cream's always from heaven, and it's really hot here, so sure, we'll get ice cream. I'll have vanilla ice cream. We don't have vanilla ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> All right, I'll take chocolate. We do not have chocolate ice cream. Right, right. And then, and then finally, what ice cream do you have? We have strawberry ice cream. Okay, what size would you like? What are the sizes? Enough for one person. <laughs> Give us four rounds of strawberry ice cream, right? And then that's what we eat. We're sitting there so disappointed eating our strawberry ice cream. We're walking out. There's all these other, uh, some of our, our other teams walking in, you know. And they're like, how was it? We're like, you like strawberry ice cream? <laughs> yeah, you're going to love it, <laughs> right? And so we go, and oh, man, and we learned a valuable lesson. Just because it says and advertises pizza parlor doesn't mean it has any pizza whatsoever, right? Oh, it was such a bummer, right? Does, just because it says it doesn't mean it actually 
has it, right? And, and what does that do with anything? This was the story God reminded me of when I said, what do we talk about with, with being sons and daughters? You know, everyone in here says, oh, I know I'm a son of God. I know I'm a daughter of God. And we say it, we throw it out like this just easy word. Yeah, I'm a son of God. Yeah, I'm a daughter of God. Uh, yeah, he loves me. Cool, we put it on the sign, right? You know, and, and, but, but how many of us actually have it? Actually know it? Actually live it, feel it, think it, breathe it, walk in the destiny of sons and daughters of God, right? Or how many of us, uh, because with son and daughter, the Bible says the sons and daughters, they have, they have peace. They've got love, joy, patience. They have the power of God flowing through them. Jesus said, everything I've done, you can do even greater because now you're a child of God. You're a friend of God, right? And you know what happens is people are like, yay, I'm a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. And we say, oh, that's great. So you must have a lot of joy. And they're like, mm, enough for one person. <laughs> oh, wow. Will you? Okay. All right. So you must have a lot of peace though. Because he says we'll be like children of peace, peace that surpasses understanding. You're probably super peaceful because you're a child of God. And we're like, mm, no, no, not really. A little bit. I'm really stressed all the time, actually. And we're like, oh, that's not what, that's not what the sign said. But okay. Oh, okay, okay. Well, well uh, you must have the power of God flowing through you all the time. Because Jesus promised you would if you're a son of God. You know, oh, no, not really, no. Oh, that's so weird. I thought it said, okay. So what do you have? I have love. Amen, great, we love love. That's awesome, that's all, that's what it's all about. Praise God, right? What, how big is your love? Enough for one person. Just the people I like, just my flavor. Just my political party. Just my group. Just my friends. Those other flavors of people really annoy me. Those other flavors of people, I don't really click with them. I don't really understand them. I have enough love for one person. And then we're like, great, I'll take four rounds of your strawberry love for one person. Awesome. Great. Son of God, <laughs> right? Like, just because you say you're a son of God, a daughter of God, doesn't mean you actually are carrying the, the main things. And the problem is we constantly, in our faith, we try to get holier. We're trying to add on Wi-Fi and AC and all these things, but it doesn't matter unless you got the pizza, the main point, the main, right? You could have all the ice cream, all the AC, all the Wi-Fi, but you're still not a pizza parlor unless you got some pizza, right? And so you could add on joy you could add on power you can add on all these things and it's good yes but it still does not make you a son first you got to be a son first you got to be a daughter and then add all the other things on first try to focus on your identity and then become holy we try to become holy thinking it'll give us a better identity god will love me more people will love me more he'll do more for me if i am holier and he's like no right Focus first on being a son and being a daughter. That's where it all comes from. If you make your primary focus on what you, <clears throat> not on what you do for God, not on what you learn about God, but who you are in him, everything else is going to be added. Everything else will come into alignment. You have to first focus on him. God's number one goal, I believe, is sonship 
and daughtership. I'm, if you hear me say son, daughter, it's interchangeable tonight. That's what we're talking about. Just saying sonship and daughtership, it, it takes a while, right? So I might just say son, I might just say daughter, just we don't get offended here. We're children of God, right? So, so being a son, being a daughter. John 14, 6, he says why he came. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except through me. That's salvation. Salvation is not getting to heaven. Salvation is getting to the Father. Salvation is, heaven's only heaven because it's where the Father was. If he was here, this would be heaven. It's not a place, it's a connection to a person. And so salvation, can I say, when Jesus, if his goal was to get you saved, his goal was not to get you to heaven. His goal was to reconnect you back to the Father. In order, all scripture points to Jesus and salvation. But if salvation is about sonship, then all scripture actually points to being a son. If, if all the power of God is to get people saved, right? To get people healed, all that stuff, right? If all of that points to Jesus and he's pointing to being a son and a daughter, then all the power of God is meant to bring people into sonship and, and daughtership. That's what it's about. Reconnection with, with your father, your father in heaven. Jesus, his whole point, he wanted to reveal the father. And so how, how, do we, how do we start? How do, how do we begin? Okay, I, God, I need to focus on son. I know I don't want to just say I'm a son. I don't want to just say I'm a daughter. I want to actually believe it, live it out, walk in it. How, how do we begin to do it? So what I do, I tend, and this is where teacher Taylor is going to come out a little bit. I, I tend, whenever I'm looking for, uh, I just immerse myself in a subject. If I, if I have a word I'm going after, I just look up, where is it in the Bible? What does it mean? What are the verses? And you just got to immerse yourself in that, the, the, the scripture and ask for the Holy Spirit to show you things, okay? So this is what I, I found. In Genesis 4, 17 is the first time we ever see the word son. First time, okay? It says this, Cain knew his wife and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of the city after his son, Enoch. All right, that's the first time we see the word son. The word son is the word in Hebrew, ben, B-E-N, like ben. That's where it means son. Benjamin means son of my right hand. But Ben is the Hebrew word for son. And it means a son or a child. But so Ben, right on here. Ben is son. Okay, Ben, this word, in Hebrew words, often there's a, there's a root word, something deeper underneath it that makes that word. The root word of Ben is this word bana? Everyone say bana. Bana. Bana na 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 na. All right. This is what it means. Bana means to build. Bana means to establish. This is when it's an active form. Active means I, I'm going to build that city. I'm doing it. That means it's active. When, it, when it's passive, passive means it was done to you. It was the receiving end is a simple way of saying it. So if something was built, that's passive. If you're going to build, that's active. Do you see the difference? So this means to be built. But what I love, it means to be established. Specifically, though, this is used in terms of people who have been exiled 
and they become established once again, specifically. And it also means a re, so reestablished, rebuilt. But it doesn't just mean that. It specifically means to be established, it says this, permanently. Permanently. Did I spell that right? Permanently. Okay. Permanently established is what it means. To banah something, it literally says this. It was the word used specifically for laying a foundation. Foundation. I'm trying to write big so you guys can see it in the back there. I don't know if it's big enough, sorry. But foundation, okay? Is this making sense? Okay, so, and I'm going to break down why it's important a little bit, okay? Okay, so the reason it came from this is because Banah was that word, and Banah, in that verse, it says he built a city and named it after his son. Built is that word Banah, okay? And so the reason is because they said, well, your son is the one who establishes you as now a family. Your son is the one who establishes your home. Your son is the one who builds this family out, and that's why it came from this word. Does that make sense? You following? Okay, now, the word for woman, or I'm not, sorry, woman, daughter, Okay, what our daughter is the Hebrew word bath. Probably why women like baths, I guess. Men like showers, right? So, but it's this word bath, right? Okay, so, and it literally means a daughter. It also means a village, which is cool, right? Daughter and village, okay? So, I'm gonna write village. Bath also has two root words. Is this too teachery? You guys okay? <laughs> We're going to school. Right, here we go. Bath has two word, two uh, root words that make the word bath. Guess what the first one is? Ben. The first root word is Ben, which means a child or a son. Okay? The second, guess what the second one is? Banah. So son comes from Banah. But when Ben and Banah are put together, it makes the word daughter. It means bath, daughter. That's what it means, okay? Because it says the son came to build, okay? But it says the daughter, so kind of when you put it, what it means, it basically means the child who establishes for us. And it, that's why it talks about a village, expanding a village, because you can't really create a village if you don't have any women, right? And so it's like, you need to establish. So the daughter, the child who's able to then establish the village, that's, that's where it comes from, okay? So why does this matter? What does this have to do specifically with sonship? Does this one work? Yeah, perfect. So, because we're talking about being a son, being a daughter, I believe it's the same and they come from the same because what is the foundation of the kingdom of God? The son is your foundation for life. What is the gospel? Adam and Eve were exiled. The gospel is that they were reestablished permanently. This word specifically, where we get sun, where we get built, is saying you get permanently reestablished in the family. Permanently built. 
we're called the temple of God, right? The gospel specifically speaks about sons and daughters coming back from exile, permanently coming together. This is the foundation of our faith. That's what it means to be a son. That's what it means to be a daughter. You have been completely, permanently rebuilt. You have been completely, permanently reestablished into the family. You are not an exile anymore, and you never will be again because it's permanent now. This is what it means to be a son. This is what it means to be a daughter. Literally, like this is literally what it means. Jesus the Son was the same word, right? As being established. It's incredible. So remember, what did God want to do when he wanted to lay the foundation of our faith? He sent a son. As the foundation for our faith, Jesus Christ, our son. The son of God, right? So, more than your calling is your calling to be a son. To be a daughter. More than your future spouse, your job, all that stuff, like I said. God built everything on this one principle, being a son, being a daughter. Salvation is reconnection to this. This is the principle God is obsessed with. You're a son. You're a daughter. This is it. You're not exiled. To the, the word for orphan means fatherless. And it comes from the root word for lonely. And it's an exiled one, like, like the orphans, they're exiled out of the family. He says, you're not an orphan anymore. Your son, you're back in. You cannot have a fatherless, exiled mentality anymore. And there's a war going on, I believe, in the spirit and in our emotions, trying to get orphan mindsets and son mindsets fighting. And you have to choose which one you're going to believe. But you're in this one. And this is what God has given to you. This is who you are now, an established son, an established daughter. Ephesians 2.19, it says this. It says, now therefore, you are no longer strangers. There's the word, exile. But fellow citizens with the saints and the members of the household of God, having been built, oh look, built, having been built on the foundation, look, foundation, of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. A cornerstone, uh, for those who don't know, it's like the, the main stone that starts the foundation that everything's upon, the first stone. So this, it's a foundational stone, but it's the first one of the foundation. The word cornerstone, the, the word stone is the word e-ben. That looks familiar. Ben, son. And it comes... There's a root word for Ben, Eben. I'll let you guess what it is. Bana! Same root word again. Built, established, no longer exiled, permanently placed. Same root word. And it says, Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. Why? Because he was the first foundation. He was the first son. He was the first one. Like he came, right? Established us. He rebuilt us. He did all of that. Jesus Christ, the cornerstone. Like the chief son of God. In whom the whole building, look, we're called a building again. 
being fitted together, grown into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you are also being built. There it is again, together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. God says his dwelling place is among sons and daughters. His dwelling place is not a church. It's not a temple. It's not a physical building. He says, where I dwell is where my sons and my daughters are. That's where I dwell. People who understand their sons and daughters, God's presence is just with them all the time. Because he's like, I want to dwell with the ones who know who they are in me. I want to dwell with the ones who are sons and daughters, who know they're not exiled, who are with me again. That's where he says, the dwelling place of God is with his sons and daughters. The temple he chose was a family. God is obsessed with this. It's all throughout scripture. We never graduate from this. This is crucial. So many people are like, okay, I get it, I'm a son. Okay, I get it, I'm a daughter. I've heard that a million times, you know. Let me, let me move on to the other things. And it's like, man, if you're thinking that, then you've already lost it. Because this is the thing you never move on from. I will always become deeper and more mature as a son. I will always become deeper and more mature. And in, in, uh, you guys, right, as daughters, in a million years, I'm gonna understand a deeper level of sonship. This is the most important thing. This is why Jesus came to reconnect us to the Father, to reconnect us once again. How dare we say, let's learn about something else now. Oh, man. So often we're so hungry for more theology, but you can't get in theology what can only be revealed to you by a father. And in the original garden, they had a choice. They either walked with the Father in the cool of the day or they took from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they said, I'm going to get my knowledge from the tree instead of the father. And what happened? They were orphaned. They were exiled. They became lowly. They were unestablished. They were unbuilt. They were taken away. All their foundation left and they were gone until Jesus came back, built us back up, laid a foundation, permanently got us back and said, now don't choose the tree anymore. Choose the father. You guys doing all right? The orphan mentality exiles us. It really does. This is why God is so adamant about doing the opposite and getting the opposite into our minds and into our hearts and into our lives. The primary message and purpose for Jesus was to reveal the Father. So, so how, how does he do that? How does God reveal himself as a, as a good father? Well, that, the question is, if you are, uh, say, a, a creator, an artist, how do you prove you're a good artist? Show me your art. And I'll tell you if you're a good artist, right? You're like, you give like, I'm the best artist in the world. And then you show and everyone's like, maybe not the whole world, you know, maybe your world, right? But, or someone else who's like, I am an amazing musician. You're like, oh, cool. So what do you think? Play us something. Not even be mean. You're like, really? That's awesome. Play us something. And then they're either amazing or you're like, eh, you're not really the best, right? Or like, I'm an amazing poet, an author, right? We're like, read us something, right? And then you're like, wow, that was beautiful. Or you're like, that was really dark. You need some counseling, man. Like, I read. we should work through this. I don't know, right? You look at the thing that was created. You look at the product of it. You look at the art. You look at the, say it's the math or the sport or the, you name it. You look at that and it points you back to the goodness of whoever was the one who made that, right? And so, so how do you then show a good father, you can look at the world and say he's a good creator, but it doesn't tell me about him as a father. How do you know he's a good father? Look at his relationship with a son. So he sends his son to convince us he's a good father. 
by sending the son. You send me your art to convince me you're a good artist. He sent his son to convince us he's a good father. And so Jesus comes on the scene to reveal the father. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, it says, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son, that's the first thing we ever know about Jesus, is he's the son. First line in, in Matthew, he's a son of David. David means beloved. All we know is he's a son of, of love. He's the son of the beloved. That's the first thing we know about him. We were meant to look how the father treats Jesus. And that's our new standard for sonship. And you say, how did God treat Jesus? That's how he wants to treat me. How did the father treat his son? That tells me he's a good dad. And when he says, now I want you to be a son, you can assume he's gonna treat you the same way. This is, this is what you're tapping into when you become a Christian. Son, being a daughter. God loved Jesus so much. He trusted Jesus. He gave authority to Jesus, right? And it is amazing that Jesus says, now I give that to you because you are also sons and daughters now. So, so crazy. A good father is always revealed through his sons and through his daughters. The disciples, uh, for three years, they walk with Jesus, right? He, they see signs, wonders, miracles, walking on water, water to wine. Like they see all this crazy stuff. There's only one thing they ever ask him to teach them. And I would be like, dude, teach me how you did that crazy thing where you walked on water. Hey, 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 teach me how you did that thing where you like touched the dude and he could see again. Hey, teach me how to, and yet they didn't ask him, teach us this. They only asked him to teach him one specific thing we have recorded. Mark, or I'm sorry, in, it's in Luke 11. He, he says, teach us, Jesus, how to pray. Teach us. Because when, when you talk to him, it's really different than when we do. You talk to him like a dad. You talk to him like you know him. We talk to him like he's a, like a book or he's far away. There's some kind of a difference. When you pray, things get answered. <laughs> when I pray, I don't know what happens. Like when, when you pray, it happens. Why? You must have, you have some kind of a connection with him that we don't have. Teach us how to talk to him the way you do. And what does he say? Pray like this, our father. The first thing he says is approach him like a dad. Our father in heaven. That's the number one thing Jesus says. That's the secret to tapping into all the signs, the wonders, the miracles, all that. Approach him as dad. Our father. Do we have the heart of sons and daughters in all that we do? So here's some quick practicals we're gonna go through on just how to maybe kind of get that heart back. One is this, focus so we're going to talk about the pizza. Focus on the pizza, right? <laughs> Don't focus on the ice cream, right? Focus on the pizza. What do you focus on? Focus on his pleasure for you. So often we focus on trying to be holier, which is good. Wi-Fi is good. 
So, so often we try to focus just on how do I do more miracles or how, how do I learn more in the Bible or how, how, how do I evangelize better or how do I, uh, you know, whatever it is better. And we're thinking about our actions and what we can do better, which is good. It's not bad things. But when was the last time you focused on his pleasure for you? Because Jesus, in Mark 1.11, this is, he's 30 years old, about to go into ministry, for, right? He's being launched kind of into ministry. He gets baptized by John the Baptist, okay? And then what happens is then it says this, that a voice from heaven breaks through. A voice from heaven came out, said, you are my beloved son, and you I am well pleased. In the same word, it means I take great joy. Now, if this happened at the end of Jesus' ministry, we'd have a million different theological things explaining how if you do the works of Jesus, then you, God will be pleased. But it's not that. It's the start. We don't have any recorded ministry. We don't have any recorded miracles. We don't have anything recorded until after God said, I'm already pleased with you, which tells us that you do everything after the pleasure of God, after you know you're accepted, after you have a foundation as a son and daughter, after you know you've been permanently established that he is pleased with you, only then should you go do ministry. Only then do you go out and change the world from the place of knowing he is pleased with you. Jesus, for every, he served, he did ministry for three years. He had 30 years of no ministry. He had 10 years for every one year of just being, doing nothing but being a son. And God said, I'm so pleased. A new baby comes out, can do nothing but cry and poop. And the parents are like, I'm so proud of you. That's the heart of God. He said, I'm so pleased with you. When was the last time you stopped? You just said, God, can you show me how you feel about me? God, will you show me your pleasure for me? So often we're like, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I messed up. God, teach me how to be holier. God, give me more wisdom. God, give me more strength. And those are good prayers. Don't stop praying them. Like, they're really good. But pray them after you know how he feels about you. After you have the foundation. Because if not, you'll flip it and you'll think you're doing that to get the pleasure of God. And it's the reverse. This is how every insecurity goes away. It, it, it'll, it'll destroy just everything. That's an orphan mentality. Money, I don't have enough money. But my, God, my dad pays for everything. And he's pleased with me. And he's going to step in. Self-image. Maybe I don't like the, the way I look or, or I, I'm comparing myself to, to others. My dad loves the way I looked. I look just like him. Maybe relationships. Maybe I, won't, maybe I won't find, maybe I'm worried about finding the one. My dad's the best wingman. Really is. Right? He's gonna, we, we have this weird thing that if we think we ask God for a wife or for a husband, he's gonna like say, oh, now it's gonna take longer because all you need is me, you know, and I'm gonna nail this into you before I give you one, right? And it's like, we don't see that in the Bible. We sim say, like, he's the one who says if you find a wife, you find a good thing. He's the one who said if you find a spouse, it's good. And he's the one looking on your behalf. So you don't need to look as hard because you know he's looking for you. And he's, got a, he's a way better matchmaker than you are. He, he, he's got your future. He's pleased with you, wants the best for you. He has that fear, that anxiety, that stress. 
Because anxiety and stress, it basically is like, I'm afraid of the punishment if I don't do it right or something goes wrong. And so I'm afraid and I can't, I can't control the outcome and now I have all this fear. But a son and a daughter mentality says, well, my dad has the outcome. So I can give it to him and he'll take it. So I don't need to have fear. Generational curses. Well, oh, de- depression runs in my family. It does. Four generations back, my family has depression. But according to this, I'm a son now with a different genealogy, right? But it's in my blood. Well, I had like a, I'm pretty sure I got a blood transfusion when Jesus died on the cross and it shifted, right? Like, yeah, yeah, but it, it's, it's in my genes. Yeah, but God gave, he can change that. He's a good dad. He can change it. He really can. Those, those genes were orphaned and exiled. He's reestablishing them. He's bringing them back in. Thinking like a son and daughter of God is the cure for everything. I really believe that. Every year of my life that I struggle with an insecurity of performance or this mentality of fear or all this kind of, it, it's the same area. I'm not, I'm not living like a child. I'm not living like a son. The areas of my life where I most live like a child, right? That's the area I know God best in. Point two, so point one was just focus on his pleasure, his pleasure for you. Point two is just this, super easy, just follow him. Jesus, fought, in John five nineteen says, so Jesus explained, I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He only does what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son also does. When was the last time I laid my life before the father and said, God, are you, father, are you doing this job? Father, are you, are you doing this relationship? Father, are, are, are you doing this class or this school right now? Father, are, are you doing this singleness? Sometimes you can assume you're meant to be single and God's like, dude, I have someone right in front of you, right? And you need to ask him, dad, what do I do? Every single, every year of life, when was the last time you, you not just say, God, please show me, but you just ask him, God, what are you doing right now? I only want to do what I see you doing. That's the mentality of a son mentality of the daughter. And so my challenge for you this week is, is get your mind and your heart into this mentality. If insecurity flares up, ask yourself, what orphan mentality is this? Right? Fear, comparison, lies. They don't like me. They think bad about me. Whatever it is, I hate, I hate my life. It's just orphan, 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 orphan coming up. You have to ask yourself, what orphan mentality is this and how would being a son or daughter cure this? and then receive and change that mentality. Foundation of your destiny is first and foremost being a son and a daughter. How do we establish more of this in our life? Focus more on his pleasure for you and follow him in what you do. Thank you for listening to the Crux Podcast Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit summitsanmarcos.com for other exciting content from Summit Church.